Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dixie Stenberg and Brassy Battalion Adventure Theater Commentary. And I can't hear this stupid episode. There we go. I'm Bill Fisher, the director of the episode, uh, with, along with, uh, uh, well, I'll go with Jeffrey first, the writer, Jeffrey Bridges. Hello, Jeffrey. Hello, Bill. How you doing? Oh, just peachy. Or maybe apricot-y. I don't know. Also with me, uh, with us, is the assistant co-director, Bruce Busby. Hello, Bruce. Hello, I'm an assistant co-director. That's a novel title. I'm good with that. Hey, you know, whatever works, right? Tonight's <laughs> episode. And this is the Occidental Nazis. The Occidental 45. Nazis. Yeah, I was saving that title for like over a year, I think. I don't know. It's not that great of a title. I was just really enamored with it myself, so I was excited to finally be able to use it. Are we going to have? It sounds like you're trying to add all of the Axis powers in here. It's just. <laughs> Yes, anyway, we have here with the set-up stuff with the bad guys. I, th- I, I hadn't noticed this when Seth was directing, but he used different music in this part with the uh, with the bad guys. Yeah, he, t- he had taken one of the um, uh, Sousa songs, I believe, and like slowed it down a bit and kind of used it as a, as a recurring villain theme. So. Yeah, well, I like it. I like the song. Irrelevant of its use. But, uh, so what was it like for... Uh, for you guys, I mean, this is, I mean, you know, this is big, we should talk about this, this is the first episode that, that either of you guys worked on, so um, what was that like for you? She set foot. Uh, I'll let Bruce go first. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, we, we had a lot of, uh, you, you, can, you can tell, Seth really, uh, having hit a time crunch, didn't want to let go, and, and gave us a lot of... Um, Commentary on what we were doing and how we should do things, and an amazingly detailed background on how the sound for Dixie should be, and how the show should sound, and what the music would look like, the work well sound like. And it was sort of difficult to go from, in my case, Supergirl to um, to this, but it's you know it's uh, an interesting transition and one that I think came out okay. Yeah, I would have to agree. It's it's certainly a lot different than directing Superman in that uh, the music, the, 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 at least the, you know everyone's favorite thing, the music, <laughs> is a pain in the you know what. Yeah. And. Uh, and so there's much less source material for this show than there is for, you know, something where we can steal from anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, um, borrow. Borrow, of course, with every intent of returning. Yes. But otherwise, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I treated it the same in terms of actual directions. So. Right. Well, I thought it came out really awesome after we, um, you know, you guys got me an early copy and uh, I gave you a little bit of feedback and stuff, but even then, I thought it sounded really good, and when I got the, the revised copy back, it sounded exactly like a Dixie episode to me, which, you know, is brilliant, and, you know, you can't ask for more than that, so well done. Well done, Phil. Oh, thank you. Grazie, signore. Oh, here we are, Italian. Uh, and oh, that's that's all three, right? You got your Germans, you got your Japanese of the Occidental, and you got your Italian. There you go. There you go. Actually, Japanese are Oriental. Occidental is the West. Well, you, yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, Occidental is technically <laughs> from North America. So, yes, they're the North American Nazis. 
So let me uh, interject with a question about the actual episode here. <laughs> These places that Vrenny's getting rejected from, are they all actual theaters in New York? Or at yes, the time? or at the time they were. Some of them have since closed, but I, I did a whole bunch right. of research to find um, a bunch of the theaters that were actually on Broadway and what their names were and the times that they were open. And there's even um, a spot later on where, um, I think it's towards the end of the episode, where Joey mentions... Um, Oh, some play by name, it Fiddler on the Roof, maybe? I'm not sure exactly what it was now. But um, I actually looked that up, and it was playing at the time at like the theater that he sort of references, because I wanted to make it an actual reference, so I looked all that up. That was a, a pain in the butt. Right, mind, but, yeah. but, you know, I try in my um, wildly unrealistic sci-fi show to put, you know, bits of accuracy in historically when I can, so... Right. Well, I, that, that's good, dude. I mean, this entire thing with S-C-A-R is just some power trip for you, isn't it? How did you know that? There's a little fourth wall breaking here. Yeah, just a little bit in this show. Kind of, sort of, what it might be known for best, you know. Yeah, I was going to say, that never happens in Dixie. No, never. And how she gets her voice to squeak like that, I have no idea. Years of practice from Miss Catherine Pride, that's my guess. Years yeah. of practice. Oh, oh, we missed her audition tape. <laughs> we were talking over it. <laughs> Sorry. Slam, slam, slam. No, it's slam, all right. Slam. It's good. Yeah, no, I was, I just, I was <laughs> amused by that because I had heard the uh, audio on a on a radio show and had to use it because it's just so horrible. <laughs> that that woman actually got into Carnegie Hall. And uh, and performed, um, despite the fact that she could not ever ever sing on key or as maintain the same tempo or anything. Wow! So, so, so just no comparison to Taylor Swift or required or. Yeah, I don't know. To get into Carnegie Hall, it's not practice, practice, practice. I don't let anybody in. <laughs> well, things were different back then. Yeah. Pretend I was in charge. I particularly love Ray's laughter in that little bit there. Yeah, if there's one thing Kat does really well, it's evil laughter. And I don't know what that really mm -hmm. says about her, but, you know. <laughs> no, she does many things well. I kid, I kid. Yeah, right. Mm hmm sure. <laughs> this was the, the um, first uh, episode, actually, and, and I think it might be the only one, uh, so far at least, of the ones I've written. I only have two left to go now, but... Um, that I had to do a flashback for two characters in the same episode where they had to share it. And so each of them right. sort of only gets an abbreviated uh, flashback. Right. But that worked out okay because uh, I realized that I didn't really have more to tell with them than what you got here. Um, I mean, it would have been an extra three doors slammed in her face or something, you know. But it wouldn't have been a big, a lot more or anything, so... There's actually three flashbacks in this episode. Oh, well, that's true if you count the, the, the cheater I mean, one. Right. I, I, must, I must say, uh, Jeffrey, as we enter this uh, ad, we yes. thank you for doing that, um, that revised version of Melifluzis because that was a word that it went by so fast. It's like, yeah. what did he say? What? Huh? Uh, most of the commercial announcer lines go by pretty fast. But yeah, but no, yeah. you did an awesome job of bringing that up and making it sound like it was actually, you know, being cranked up on a, on a, you know. Oh no, yeah, that, so. 
Yeah, Bruce did an excellent well, job on the record business. I mean, the, this whole thing, but uh, the record record business was uh, excellent. I even know, thank the I, fine I folks at Isotope for that. That uh, when I wrote this, um, you know, uh, I write months in advance, and so I didn't know, you know, that Seth and Jim were going to have to leave the show. And then when you guys came in, uh, you know, and you were going to take over with this episode, I felt kind of bad because this commercial has more sound effects action in it than, like, any commercial, like, in the past year or more. And I was like, what an episode for you guys to come in on. There's so much work in this with all the sound effects, especially later towards the end of the commercial. Oh, so. please. Come on. The first episode I ever directed was a freaking uh, uh, Vindicatum episode. This is not <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but still, I mean, I just, I felt, I thought, you know, oh, it'll be nice and easy, you know, easy into it, and no, no, it's just, the commercial now, just, this, Trust me, this is, compared to, I think, I, I, I hit the crossover, what, maybe four or five episodes in for Supergirl? This is, this is nothing. <laughs> compared to you going on and on and on about, you know, how wet and loud knocking Lex Luthor's head out of me. Yeah. <laughs> I love the triplets. Lord help me, I love the triplets. Yeah. Kristen's a, she's a kind of magic, is the triplets. Yeah. And then, oh yeah. I was going to say something I forgot what it was, so never mind. <laughs> this um, commercial was, uh, it was based off of a print ad, actually, rather than a um, an actual OTR ad, which most of them have been. But this one, I saw a print ad that uh, was for, you know, like, you know, music and, and bands and stuff. And it was just so delightfully old-timey in all of the text that I couldn't help it. And, um... Uh, there's a quote in here about how um, the technology is state-of-the-art and couldn't ever possibly be made obsolete, which was right off of the back of a uh, record that one of our friends found in, like, their parents' house and was cracking up that it said it would never be obsolete on the back. I'm like, i got to use that, too. And so that went in. And um, uh, all the band names that, that, uh, and all the musical group names, those are all legitimate... Um, like 30s, 40s slang words in all of those titles, and I've, I've had this list of hilarious slang that I wanted to, you know, work into the show, and reaching towards the end of the show as we are, I realized most of them are ever going to make it in, and so I felt, this is the spot, I'm going to dump all of them, and come up with yep. the most hilarious musical group names I can, so... That's where those all came from. Oh, I mean, because those did not exactly sound real, I mean, at, at the get-go, but the split-lip spit-lickers or whatever it was. Face-lace slip-splitters? Yeah, face-lace was, um, was a slang for mustache, I think. And lip splitters were, oh, I can't remember now. I think it's like some kind of uh, musical instrument, like... You know, uh, the with the reed that goes in your mouth, they call them lip splitters or something like that. I don't remember exactly. I have all the definitions written down somewhere, but yeah, they just cracked me up, so I had to, I had to use them. I love Mr. Young in this role. Yes, the amazing Noel. He's delightful. I'm so sad I didn't get the role, but Bill does the better job, so I suppose I'll let him have it. <laughs> well, look, now you're his boss, so it all works out, right? <laughs> well, I'm not... I mean, yeah. Portable and wind up! No! Oh, yeah. I think I speak for all red-blooded males when I say, mm, misfortune divine. Indeed. Misfortune. <laughs> 
if you would. On yeah, that was something that, that got me when I was looking at the ad for this. It was, you know, an actual wind-up phonograph, and I was like, how much power can you actually get out of that? It, it can't be much, so... Yeah. Keep going. And by the way, that sound is actually an alarm clock. No. Down frequency, played forward and backward to make that weird ratchet sound. It works. Good thinking. I liked it. Yeah. Well, good music is worth it, wouldn't you say? Oh, I'm so much And when she sent these lines, I don't know if you, you, nobody would know this, but I mean, she was actually very cranky. So she was the cranky Miss Divine this, for this particular show. Uh, I think she, she brought it all the same. Yep, yep, you can't tell at all, so excellent acting skills. And now, let us show the folks at home <laughs> how portable it really is. <laughs> oh, this part cracked me up. Um, what do I and, and your retiming work did a, a world of good because, I mean, I, I, I wasn't sure how best to do it with the maybe yeah. comment and then the, the sound and something happens and some other comment. But, you know, speeding it up made a huge difference. So, thank you, thank you, thank you. But, but the spindle is... It shifts over. Yeah, and this whole bit came out of, um, uh, from the print ad, there was, you know, like a drawing, this big, elegant drawing of their wind-up portable uh, phonograph, and I was just like, that stuff is not fitting in that box. There's no way. So, you know, it's, it's basically, I took a print ad and did with it what I u- normally do with the OTR ads, which is find all of the ridiculousness that's already there, and then just amp it up a bunch. Go on now. Go on now. Sorry. Those are nice sliding noises. It's a wooden door. Really? It sounds like it's got a bit of metal. I think he's got some stuff layered on top. Ah. Very nice. I think you had silverware rattling around in there, right? Indeed. Because after all, there's there's parts that will appear here shortly. What did I tell you? Perfectly portable. And not only that. But every phonograph record is scientifically designed with the highest quality audio reproduction. So yeah, there's that. Oh, here's the obsolete. Obsolete <laughs> in the future. <gasps> Fantastic. Give us one more prediction. It's like a line like that is so unbelievably crazy, you can't make that crap up. Do they ever yeah. actually think they wouldn't ever become obsolete? They did, folks. They did. That was before the FTC got really kind of hot and bothered about people telling the truth. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, here's a little bit of art imitating life, imitating art, with the boycott of items for people rejecting the program on which it's advertised. But I mean, rejoin our episode. That question about the. Uh, were there any Umkit items? Nearly a one. Perfect. Just perfect. Out of the taxi. Well, you don't know. Well, he's a company man through and through. I yeah. like yes. taxis. Here you go, Mr. Nice Driver Man. Keeps the change. I'm so sad about Falkenstein. Oh, poor Falkenstein. And so Walter toddled around the park, enjoying the sounds and the smells. He toddles. He likes nature. nature. He likes everything. Except cheese. I like and torture. I think it was it torture was, was the other before one. Before a damaged yeah. Hawk Wolf 190 came into view, with a dazed Billingsley sitting on the ground beside him. 
Oh, and to continue no. with your Walter trend of nearly impossible sound effects coming up here. Well, okay, as I'm scrolling through the script, I see sound effects, long beat. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm just... You know, I'm supposed to put those in sometimes, so I just put them in as sound effects cues, you know. I know. I'm just teasing you. Yeah, you, you, yeah, and, yeah. you and Blinky went to the same school, I think. <laughs> Jeez. Science. I like that one. Science. <laughs> well, there's the infamous green light one, too. Yeah. Oh, yes. Say something. Said to kill you. And we didn't even what? put the long beat she in there. <laughs> oh, well. And she was assuming command of I think it timed better this way. You sound well, that's your job as the director, sir, so good exactly. call. <laughs> what do they have their hands full with? I wonder. They will be lucky if they uh, I think it's been mentioned that they were chasing off after Benedict in oh, one of the okay. previous episodes. They flew off after him, so... Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. I, I can't... I was trying to build anticipation for later episodes. <laughs> oh, my bad. No, it's tough to keep it straight, especially with these last bunch where a lot of the action through, you know, like six, seven, eight episodes all takes place on the same day in a very short time span. So it's hard to remember which happens in what spot. Believe me, I had I had notes for every episode of exactly where in the city each person was and what they were doing. And at the end of the episode, I would update it with where they'd moved to so that I could remember for the next one. And it was a pain in the butt keeping track of all of them. But not smart enough. Oh, contraire. <coughs> no one will catch Reginald Dillingsley unaware ever again. And that uh, marks the first actual death in the show, I think, other than, um, like, uh, you know, red shirt scar troopers. Just then. Yeah. So, precise, you might so I think that's the first, the first person who's actually... My first main character that's, that's named character, at least. Looks like the elimination rounds in the American Idol. Well, who's going to go last? Actually, Nev might have been the first one. She has been shot down, but I don't think it's established that she's dead yet. In this episode. Or is she? I don't know. <laughs> well, you never know what's up with her. That's her shtick. That's true. There was always one That's her bread and butter right there. Reginald Billingsley. That's her thing. Ever out yeah. For himself. How could I not be? I'm so ah, yes. better than everyone else. And so it is, dear listeners. The that's Billingsley flashback. Yes, where you just get to hate him even more, hopefully, because he's just that much of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> so, I remember with Superman... Mm. You you threw at me um, a crowd scene where it was in Ex Tempest, I believe, where Luthor was addressing the assembled rebels. Okay. And there was various crowd noises of differing enthusiasm. Right. And that was the hardest thing to find find sound effects for. <laughs> and then you got to do it again. Here. And then I got to do this episode. <laughs> you hate me, don't you? Okay. <laughs> well, there's there's one effects cue here. Sound effects, very little applause. I looked and I looked and I looked 
and then I just went, okay, to hell with it. I'm recording myself clapping in different times and mixing it together. So Holy work. Excellent. All right. Oh, and I also have to uh, give credit to people who assisted me that didn't get the credits. The light grumble from the crowd when he won the science fair was Cat Fury, Jack Kalk, and, oh, crap, there was somebody else. I know Ash, Ashworth Gannison helped me and one other person. And now they're going to be mad at me for not remembering who it was. <laughs> but there was another person who helped me. They all sent me little... Oh, it was Marley Norton. They, uh, they sent me people complaining that he won the science fair, and I mixed them together to make the light grumble from a crowd. Well, you folks are awesome. Thank you for doing that. Yes. I recruited them in the pendant text chat, too, so... <laughs> yes, it's a good spot to find victims. Yes, yes. Yes. Oh, was this the uh, the thing where the clapping had the, uh, the suddenly, like, serious stereo on? Oh, maybe. I think I, I, I think I monitored it down yeah. for the it was, final version. It was very odd. I was listening along at this prototype, and, I, I, and you know, all of a sudden my ears heard... A very broad sound, like you know, whoa. If there was one thing Billingsley truly failed at, it was the realization yeah. that his peers hated him, <laughs> not for his aptitude and accomplishments, but for being a dickhead. He's been getting punched his whole life. It's probably not a pendant-approved word, is it? That you are just it's just a commentary. And so Billingsley, in search of others who could match his own smug sense of superiority and were ready to make the lesser beings pay, found his way to Germany and joined up with S-C-A-R. I shall always choose the winning side. Uh, yeah, yeah, right, whatever, Bill. <laughs> I enjoy the amusing and the uh, announcer get into it with each other there. Yeah, no, that this part is funny. But when I, when uh, when you announced to the cast that I was taking over, uh, uh, who plays Billingsley? It's it's Steve Anderson. Steve Anderson, yes. He sent back a message, an email saying, "Oh, Bill Billingsley, yes, we're perfect together." Okay, I'll shut up now. He gets very into his character. Uh, he does a great job. He does. Not that I'm saying, you know, that he's, you know, a, a jerk or anything. But he, Steve Anderson's a no. wonderful guy, but, you know, he's, he's, he gets very into Billingsley, so. Yeah. It makes him deliciously annoying. Yes. As he does with the amateur. Well, that's Chip Joel. Oh, oh yeah. Different guy. <laughs> oh, Brain fade. Brain fade. I, uh, Question, I'm going to snap your cap? What the heck? Yeah, i, I got to admit, because Seth sent this thing, he's like, I, I, I messed that up, I have to do it again, it's to snap your cap. It's like, uh, really? <laughs> yeah, that was another one of those old uh, slogans uh, that they used for, like, punch you in the face. I'm going to snap your cap. Yeah. And I'm like, that's got a nice ring to it. So Really? Yep. For once, for once and for always. The wonders of old-timey slang, I tell you, it's some wonderful stuff. And uh, yeah, is there, I mean, what was the uh, etymology of that one? I, mean, I couldn't tell you. I was happy to find him, and then I crack up and put him in the show. It works for me. Filbert, I'm not sure we had known his middle name before. Yeah, I think that came out um, sometime okay. last season. It was mentioned. Because uh, it was Reginald P. for a while. And then right, right. I, and one of them, I think it was revealed before this. I think it was. Mm. Oh, God. It's getting so hard to come up with those buttons to end the show on, man. 
<laughs> I'm glad I only have two more of those to write, because, oh, dude. I, I should have never. That's one of the things I think if I could go back and do it again, I would stop that and not end every episode with Dixie having a alliterative line with, you know, thesaurus words. Because uh, I liked it at first and it was funny and, you know, it was unique, but it's such a pain in the butt putting them together. Hey, have you sent that uh, memo to uh, Blinky? Because her titles are still, I mean, <laughs> she's, she's really struggling. If she doesn't dig out, uh, um, you know, unearth dusty old words that nobody's ever uh, used Heard. in 50 years, like prepotency and prolix and whatnot, but... Oh, yes, the flashy backy. The flashy backies. I really, I like this flashy backy. This, this is probably one of my favorites. <laughs> you know, what this one actually came from was me um, getting to uh, the end of the episode and realizing there wasn't any time to work in anything for Volker. And then Volker had always been kind of a, a surface uh, character to me anyway. And he wasn't as important as Vrenny or Billingsley, who aren't as important as the actual battalion members, you know, which is why they get the more abbreviated. Uh, flashbacks, but um, I, I wanted to throw something in there for him, and so I thought this is this is the way to do it right here, and th that's all it is. Right. You know, he gets the the shaft once again. He doesn't get invited to the cackling parties. He gets the worst flashback. Poor Volker. Perry does such a good Edarchenko. Yeah, he's been growling that up for years. But that's exactly what you did to us. Great voice. Yes, we've been all over this. I'm a villain. That's my job. But now you're also a hypocrite. Oh, fine. Just forget it then. <laughs> but it still shouldn't count because I had to share my flashback with Catherine Pride as Vrenny. You think I'm happy about that? You stole my <laughs> These are still the, um, the easiest part. Of any Dixie episode to write other credits, the credits. since they're just yeah. ridiculous nonsense and the characters just bicker with each other in my head and I write it down. So, right. yes. yeah, absolute easiest part to do. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you can't think of anything to do, well, punch Billingsley. <laughs> it's always good. It's, it's the, the standby, the default. Yeah. There once was a man named Volker. And there was a thing called Soup. And the former loved the latter. With all his heart, and so it is. I don't know if he's even mentioned soup in quite quite a while. It's been a bit. But no, he hasn't. I was actually hoping that I would have some end of episode soupness. Because <laughs> I missed that soupness. <laughs> I couldn't think of a word. Good term so, uh, of art, yeah. <laughs> Soupacity, perhaps. Soup. <laughs> no. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> yes. So I had to go with uh, Vrenny's audition tape again. Recorded obviously on the Umcat portable wind-up. <laughs> yes, exactly. Happy now? No. Well done, Justin. Poor Volker. Shafted once again. Philip Weber as Scar Trooper One. I don't know if any of you ever watched Animaniacs. 
Mm-hmm. But yes. his Scar Trooper one reminds me of uh, the 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 Warner Brothers and the Warner Sister Dots psychiatrist whose name I forget. Oh, you know what? It does. You're right. I can't remember his name now either. It's been so long since I've seen it, but yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. It does now that you mention it. <laughs> yes. They're, they're P so, psychiatrist. Uh, yeah. yeah. Now I have to look it up because I'm that kind of a nerd. <laughs> Wikipedia. Human uh, hugging? How unseemly. I think it's cute. And here we go. There is nothing what? wrong uh, with two men hugging. Here, I'll show you. Come here, my good man. It's too slow. The internet is too slow. <laughs> it's failed us. Auto scratch and sniff. No. That's his name. Dr. Scratch yes, and sniff? Really? Dr. That was scratch his name? And sniff. Yes. Wow. I wouldn't have remembered that in a million years. Yeah, well, that's what the internet's for. <laughs> All the crap you can't remember, and 30 slang. Yes. <laughs> the internet is the universe's ectopic brain. I wish someone would hug me. Oh, this little hug bit was pretty funny. Nebby's very um, malicious, I guess you could say. She'll take any opportunity to smack anyone around. Still doing those same laughs. So great. I love Amanda as Nebulon. Yes. 2000. She's brilliant. <laughs> actually, that's the first time we've actually heard him say anything intelligent. Well, he said something intelligent earlier in the episode, but it was sort of word. Yeah, I think the there was one other episode where he said oh, yeah. die, but that was it. So, yeah, that was the first the first line for him. And I really like the way the, the mod came out in this final version of it. It sounded just alien enough. I liked it. You've been listening to a pending production of the Dixie Stenberg and Brassy Battalion Adventure Theater. Adventure Theater. You can almost hear Seth bouncing in his chair when he says that. <laughs> He's very enthusiastic. That was a really big thing for them with those old ads. Like, if, if they could tout more than one thing about any product, it was the greatest uh-huh. thing you'd ever heard of. So, Oh, yeah. Ah. You wouldn't believe. I think that was nice. It's nice clean nice up Edison. and that, that big. That amazing. <laughs> <clears throat> Here we are at the lovely... It's actually, for those of you who are interested, Florence Foster Jenkins. I processed a little bit to make it our own. That, I was so impressed by your, your brandy audition. That was nicely done. <laughs> Thank you. All right, well. Here we at the end. Well done, fellas, on your first episode, and I uh, look forward to hearing what you do with the next five. All right, thank you, and... Uh, and thank you for getting your lines in, Jeffrey, for 47. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm plenty on time, yeah. always, yes. He's, he's on time with 48. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> All right. See you guys later. Bye-bye. Ciao.